the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is Spontruth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy explains the way to life. See, apart from Jesus Christ, we remain dead, dominated by our sin, and doomed to go to hell. That's the result of being in Adam. The sin entered the world and death thereby, and all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. We're in trouble because of Adam. We need an experience and an encounter with Jesus Christ that will change our destiny. Our destiny in Adam is death, but in Christ it's life. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. The Bible proclaims a gospel of grace from Genesis to Revelation. And today, we're in Ephesians chapter 2 to learn how we were once dead in our sins, but now made alive in Christ by His saving grace. Philip goes on to explain how God's grace underwrites our lives from the beginning to the end. We're just getting started in a brand new series that explores the many ways God's grace saves us and displays His glory in us. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, a message I've entitled, A New Beginning. I want you to understand that the Christian life from beginning to end is underwritten by God's grace, God's unmerited favor. You and I are going to heaven because of God's unmerited favor, nothing else. No reason beyond that. Now let me put the text in its context. This passage bumps up against the former passage, which is Paul praying for the Ephesians. And if you go to his prayer in chapter 1, which brings us to chapter 2, you'll see that he mentions God's mighty power put on display in the raising of Jesus from the dead. And how Christ has triumphed over principalities and powers. And then he prays that God's power displayed in Christ's resurrection would be at work in them. And so is it any surprise when we get to chapter 2 that he talks about that resurrection power at work in them for the same power and the same work of God that brought Jesus from death to life and from earth to heaven will do that in our lives. And so Paul talks about it here. So let's look at this passage. There are three things I want to say. If you're taking notes, the need of grace, verses 1 through 3. The nature of grace, verses 4 through 9. And what I call the narrative of grace, verse 10. So let's begin with the need of grace. The text is apparent, it's plain, it's for everyone to see that you and I are in deep need of God's unmerited favor and undue kindness. Because we're dead in our sin. We're dominated by our sin. And unrepentant, we're doomed by our sin. 
That's our condition by nature. In fact, grace, think about this, grace will never be amazing until you understand your desperate condition. You need a resurrection. You need to be made alive. Dead, dominated, dominated. The life before Christ is one dominated by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Look at verse 2. In which you once walked, that is, your trespasses and your sins, according to the course of this world. Now, when we speak about world, we're not talking about the planet. We're not talking about earth. We're not talking about terra firma. We're talking about a philosophy of life, of values that govern this world. Paul tells us that this world, according to Galatians 1-4, is a present evil world, age. It's a world in rebellion. And from the moment we're born, we join the crowd in the rebellion. It's values, it's ideologies in opposition to God. We not only follow the world, we follow the devil. Because Paul describes here the devil as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, we can sin jolly good by ourselves, but he's happy to come along and multiply our efforts. Because, you see, he likes to work in the sons of disobedience because he's disobedient. He's fallen. And he led Adam and Eve into the fall. And he likes to come alongside fallen creatures and lead them into more disobedience. He stirs up the rebellion. He's the God of this world. The human condition is one marked by death and one marked by a domination of sin. And there are three contributing factors. The world, the devil, and our flesh. And it leads us to this thought. We're not only dead, we're not only dominated, we're doomed. That is until God makes us alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. But until then, apart from Christ... The text tells us because of all of that, we're under the condemnation of God. And he must judge our sin, and he will judge our sin. And as old preachers say, he'll either judge it in us, or he'll have judged it in Christ. And if you haven't come to Christ, he'll judge it in you. If you've come to Christ, then you've no condemnation because he's judged it in him. Let's move on. The nature of grace. The nature of grace, verses 4 through 9. Paul now moves from pessimism about man to optimism about God. Love this little phrase in verse 4, but God. I mean, the whole thing transitions on that phrase. There's a turn of events. We're now moving towards good news. And the good news is the good news because we have now understood the bad news. Apart from the grace of God, we're dead, dominated, and doomed. But, <laughs> but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our sins has made us alive. See, Paul puts in here this phrase, but God, because it is God who intervenes to remedy man's condition of death, domination, and damnation. But God. Let's think about what God has sought to do and what God does do through His grace in saving people who are dead, dominated, and doomed. Three things about God's grace of salvation. Number one, it is caused by God. God's the reason any one of us is saved. Not ourselves. Look down at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. 
Look at the text. It mentions mercy. It mentions kindness. It mentions love in verses 4 through 7. It's because of God's great love for us, God's rich mercy on us, and God's lavish kindness towards us that we're saved. It's because of His great love. God humbled Himself, came through His Son in incarnated flesh, died on a cross for our sin, broke the back of death in resurrection. Christ has been exalted. His work is being declared finished and fabulous and full. And because God has humbled Himself, He can exalt us by His grace. And in exalting us and saving us, He exalts Himself because according to verse 7, those who He saves, He's going to put on display for ages to come as an expression of the riches of His grace. Caused by God, my friend. It's not only caused by God. Number two, it's connected to Christ. We're not talking about an attribute in God. We're not talking about a disposition of God's heart and mind. Fundamentally, when the New Testament speaks about grace, it's speaking about a person. So grace is more than a disposition within God. It's an act by God when God wonderfully demonstrated His grace in the mercy of Christ, in the ministry of Christ. His incarnation, sinless life, death on a cross resurrection. That's why uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says what? It talks about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just notice these phrases. They're too deep for us to expound in any broad manner, but notice the phrase, verse 5, made alive with Christ. Notice the phrase, verse 6, raised up and seated in Christ. Notice the phrase, verse 10, created in Christ. There is no real life apart from life connected to Christ. It's Paul's point. See, apart from Jesus Christ, we remain dead, dominated by our sin, and doomed to go to hell. That's the result of being in Adam. Adam sinned. The sin entered the world, and death thereby, and all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. We're in trouble because of Adam. That's why we need to be created in Christ. We need an experience and an encounter with Jesus Christ that will change our destiny. Our destiny in Adam is death, but in Christ it's life, Romans 5 and Romans 6. Let me put it like this, because we've got to move on. Everything Jesus did counts for everyone who is joined to him by faith. Those little phrases, in Christ, with Christ. When you and I connect our life with Christ through faith upon repentance... Everything Jesus did counts for everyone joined to him. God raised him up. God will raise us up. God brought him from death to life. God will bring us from death to life. God has exalted him, seated him at his right hand. God someday will exalt us and our new destiny will be heaven. The movement of Christ from death to life, from earth to heaven, is the journey of the life lived in union with Jesus. That's the point of Paul and Ephesians 2, 4 to 9. Let me illustrate it this way and move on. I like what Tony Merida says in his commentary on Ephesians. He says this, We sync our phones with our computers in order to transfer the music on our computer to our phone. Well, we are synced with Christ. And what God did for Christ, He did at the same time for believers. See, the life that's synced with Christ, the life that's connected to Christ, the life that's attached to Christ, the life that's lived under Christ is a life synced with Christ. And just as God raised him, God will raise us. Just as God exalted him, God will exalt us because of him. 
so important that you have the Son because a life unconnected to Jesus Christ is a life without life. Brings us to the final thought under this thought. Caused by God, connected to Christ, conditioned by faith. Here we're speaking about the nature of grace, God's saving act in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace has been revealed in Christ, appeared in Christ, but it's to be received by faith. Scroll down to verse 8. How were they made alive? How were they brought to an exalted position in Jesus Christ, whereby God throughout the ages to come will display His grace in their lives? Well, they were saved through faith. Verse 8, through faith. We cannot earn God's grace. We cannot merit God's favor, but we can receive God's grace by faith. Because, if I may put it like this, if God's salvation in Christ is a gift, according to verse 8, is a gift, then faith is the hand that receives the gift. Faith is the hand that receives the gift and makes the gift theirs. For as many as received him, to them give me the power to become the sons of God. John 1 verses 12 through 13. We've got to trust the Lord Jesus if we're going to be saved. Because when we trust the Lord Jesus, we sink our lives to him, all that God did in him and for him and for us through him becomes ours. So we've got to entrust our lives to Jesus because that's what trust is. Trust is in trust. If you trust something, you trust someone, you entrust yourself to them. Doesn't Paul say that in his letter to Timothy? I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed or entrusted to him against that day. That's a banking term. You might believe a bank is good, but I won't believe that you believe the bank is good until you entrust your money to it. And that's what trust is. It's entrusting. And my friend, you've got to entrust your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to give your life over to Him and give the full weight of your conviction and your, your confidence over to Him. In fact, this was put on display in the life of John Patton, the missionary to the New Hebrides. He was translating God's Word for the tribes that were there, cannibalistic, by the way. And he didn't have a word for trust or belief or faith. He was sitting at his desk studying when a tribal leader comes in and starts talking to John Patton. And John Patton gets an idea. He gets up off his seat, stands on his feet behind his desk, and then he sits back down on his seat. And he kind of entrusts himself to the seat once again. And he said to the man, what did I just do? And he used a word in their language that conveyed the idea of leaning your whole weight on something. And Patton took that word and said, that's what trust is. It's leaning your whole weight on Jesus, putting your whole conviction and your confidence in Him and what He did by God's grace. Let me illustrate. Look at this stool behind this piano. Now, there's three elements to biblical faith. There's content, assent, and consent. Content. Faith begins with knowledge. You can't give yourself to something you know nothing about. So if you're going to trust something, you need to know about it. And so we need to know about the gospel. What did God do? Who is Jesus Christ? What's the cross all about? The gospel is presented. At that point, we have content. Our mind has knowledge. But we've got to have a second thing. Then you've got to have assent. You've got to begin to be convinced about those facts, that they are true. 
And then there has to be consent where you actually give yourself to them. And so it would be like me looking at this stool behind this piano and I have content. It looks pretty sturdy. It's got four legs. I've seen someone sit on it in the recent past. So I've got all that information. That's interesting, but I've got to move on now. I start to believe that is the case. This is a strong stool. I have watched people sit on it and it has held them up. But then I've got to do what? I've actually got to sit on the stool and lean my whole weight on it. That's consent. That's the mind, the heart, and then the will giving oneself to that which you entrust yourself to. My friend, that's salvation, and you'll never be saved until you do it. You'll never get to heaven. You'll never know God's grace. You'll never know God's mercy until you have fully entrusted your hope for heaven, your desire for forgiveness, your wish for life. You'll never have any of that until you entrust yourself to Jesus Christ. The last thought's very short, but we're not going to skip it. It's what I call the narrative of grace. It's verse 10. Notice how Paul describes their experience of salvation and God's grace. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The word workmanship, interesting, is a Greek term for poem. It's an artist's term. It speaks of a literary work. Paul is saying that each life touched by God's grace is a life touched by the artistry of God. We are his poem. He's authoring something beautiful in our lives. That's the point I want to make as we close the narrative of grace. The thing about this poem, the thing about this literary work, and you don't want to miss this, it's a never-ending story. It's a never-ending story. There's never a final chapter written to this story. Look at the text. It started before time began, and it will continue beyond time and throughout eternity. Look at verse 10. God's plan for us started beforehand. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. That speaks of our being chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1. It speaks about our election. It speaks about God's plans and purposes for us before we were born. Then God saves us in time. And then we read in verse 7 something very beautiful, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Get this. Before time, God planned to save us by His grace. In time, He brings us to faith in Jesus Christ by His grace. Beyond time again, in the ages to come, He will continue to give us His grace. In fact, this word show means exhibit. Don't miss this. That's why I had to steal the time to do it. You and I are God's exhibition hall. We're His exhibition hall. And He loves to display His grace in us. And He's going to do it for ages to come. That's why John 1.16, of His fullness we have received grace upon grace. My friend, God has only started to bless you. We're going to be a display cabinet for God's saving grace for all of eternity. It just keeps going and going and going. That's why we have referenced, haven't we, the story by Spurgeon of a man called Roland Hill 
who was given a princely sum of money for a young minister in a slum area in London. And Roland Hill was told to distribute this to the young man, and he decided to do it piecemeal rather than give him one whole lump sum. He didn't think that would be good for him. And so he took this large donation and he split it up and he sent some of it one week in an envelope and then he sent some more of it the next week in an envelope. And in all the envelopes, he would write these words, more to follow, more to follow. And Spurgeon, speaking of that, said every blessing that comes from God is sent with the same message, more to follow. I forgive you your sins, but there's more to follow. I justify you in the righteousness of Christ. There's more to follow. I adopt you into the family, but there's more to follow. I educate you for heaven, but there's more to follow. I give you grace upon grace, but there's more to follow. I have helped you even to old age, but there's more to follow. I will uphold you in the hour of your death, and then passing into the world of the Spirit, you'll find that my mercy and my grace has more to follow. It's beautiful. That's what God's going to do. He has saved us that He might show the exceeding riches of His grace for ages to come. Wow. That's why you've got to get off the forgiveness portrait and start looking at the gallery of grace. Now, it starts with saving grace, but there's more to follow. Let's pray. Father, we pause to take in afresh to remind ourselves in You of the exceeding riches of your grace. Because although Christ was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. We thank you we are rich. And we're getting the first check or two. But there's more to follow. It's endless. It's going to span ages to come. And all of it's free. It's all one-sided. It's all marvelous. It's all amazing. But as we come to this table, we realize free to us, but not free to you. You had to deliver up your son. And all of this has been bought at a price in the blood of Jesus Christ, his broken body. And so as we're amazed about grace, we're amazed about the grace giver and we take these emblems and give thanks today for all of your love and mercy and kindness toward us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's the powerful conclusion to a message. It's titled, A New Beginning, from Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth. And it's just the start of a new Total Grace series. We're exploring how grace saves us, changes us, and shapes us so we can display God's glory. For more resources about God's life-changing grace, visit us online at ktt.org. And while you're on our website, be sure to take the KTT Listener Survey. It's your chance to tell us what Know the Truth means to you. Well, it's the top of the new year, and I want to remind you that Know the Truth wouldn't be here without you. It's the financial support of listeners like you that makes it possible for us to share the bold and convicting Bible teaching of Philip DeCourcy all through the year. Your generosity is what sends God's truth through the ministry of Know the Truth. Now, when you give today, Philip wants to send you a special resource to expand your view of God's grace. The book is called Grace-Focused Optimism by C.L. Chase. Philip will be referring to this book throughout our current study, so it's a great one to start reading now. You'll learn how to live a life governed by grace 
the grace that transforms your heart, your relationships, your future, and your awe and love for God. Request the book, Grace Focus Optimism, when you make a generous donation to Know the Truth. Call right now, 888-644-8811, or go to ktt.org. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to welcome you with a free CD containing today's message. A New Beginning is one of Philip's most important messages as it lays out how to receive God's saving grace. Pass it on to a friend who needs to hear the gospel. Ask for this free CD when you call 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Learn more about God's astounding, extravagant, total grace when you join us next time on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Just in, death, destruction, and violence. Film at 11. Come on, is all the news really bad? How about some good news in your daily routine? You'll find it when you log on to Christianity.com. They've got great devotionals, terrific Bible study tools, quizzes, and links to the day's most inspiring stories from around the web. Get good news every day when you set your homepage to Christianity.com. Make a difference in your internet life. Christianity.com. Hi, this is June Hunt from Hope for the Heart. Tragedy, loss, and injustice can cause deepest disappointment and huge pain. But there's another side to the story. Life's disappointments don't have to dominate your world. Join us right here and tell a friend. You can discover how to live a life anchored in God's hope. Weekday mornings at 930 on AM 780 WAVA. Prayer can be powerful. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.